Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today, I should say tonight, we're going through every single Sunday afternoon matchup from an exciting week 14, maybe not the 1 p.m. slate, but we did have some instant classics, if you will, in the 4 p.m. session. So as always, I'm joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne, The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how was your week 14? Pretty good, man. Trying to win like half of these championship lineups so at least pay for all my damn entry fees. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes, man. Well, hey, hopefully, you know, everyone's squad out there is looking at a fantasy playoff berth ahead of next week. And as always, we're trying to set you up for success in that goal. So we're going to go through all these Sunday afternoon games. Uh, switching things up just a little bit. I thought it was kind of a mouthful when Dwayne and I would be going through both teams from the matchup and then be moving on, you know, kind of uh, just combining them. So this time we're going to go winner then loser then next matchup we'll see if that helps with the flow with the vibes with all of that so Dwayne let's kick things off with the Browns taking down the Ravens 24-22 Baltimore covered though as a plus three dog thanks to some Tyler Huntley late game heroics over cashed out 44 with the Browns look Baker, he, he got he got the win. He got the win. So W and uh, you know, if you're a person that just loves quarterbacks because of their wins and losses, Baker got that W today. Threw a short touchdown to Jarvis Landry on who ran a nice nice pivot route. Also got that Austin Hooper goal line score for everyone that was streaming him. So that was good to see. But just more times than not, continue to be underwhelmed from this passing game. Donovan Peoples Jones made one of the better catches of the week, I think, down the sideline for a nice 34-yard game. But again, everything was just kind of hard. Uh, in this passing game. I think that is exemplified by Baker only averaging 5.9 yards per attempt in this one. So, you know, up to two touchdowns to wide receivers since they got rid of OBJ. So Baker and Beckham are back to being tied. That's good. Uh, We'll see if OBJ can retake that lead on Monday night. Browns did have several injuries to worry about, though. Uh, Briefly, I saw Case Keenum go out there and take a snap, and I was like, whoa, are we doing it, Stefanski? Are we going for it? No, Baker was just in the concussion protocol. Briefly, cleared it and returned. The worst injury was Kareem Hunt, who really early in the game, I mean, he only had two carries and two catches. I think it was like first quarter, maybe early second, suffered an ankle injury after getting hit hard low and did not return. So, Dwayne, we saw Deonis Johnson come in and get some work, but it really seemed like it was a Nick Chubb show after Hunt got out of there. Yeah, it really was. Um, If you looked at you know, Chubb today, his routes per pass player, routes per drop back up to 55%, well above really his normal rates. And that really just comes from Kareem Hunt being out. So overall, though, we saw 66% of the snaps go to Chubb, 22% to Dearness Johnson. Then you had 20% to Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, if you if you put Johnson and Hunt together, right, I mean, it's it's kind of around where we normally saw, you know, Kareem Hunt's role. But, but we had seen Johnson involved even the week before the bye um, when there were three backs. So we'll have to see how it settles out. But I think this is a plus for Chubb. Um, 67% of the rushing attempts. He had all the short down and distance work. It was Dearness Johnson getting on the field and the long down and distance stuff. They didn't run any of the two-minute offense. So I think it'll be pretty much Nick Chubb handling more of the rushing duties than he was. Basically, probably half of what Kareem Hunt leaves behind plus all of what he had. But then you'll have Dearness Johnson coming in and handling those passing down reps um, in place of Kareem Hunt. I just hate how allergic they are to throwing Nick Chubb the ball. I mean, I'm pulling up his game log right Four now. Four targets. Four targets today, Ian. Come on. <laughs> that 13% is, target share. Okay, he, he, we'll he caught three it. balls. He caught <laughs> we'll three balls. It. That's the first time. Only six time. yards. But. Yeah. 
That's why we play PPR, Dwayne. But like, that's the first time all year he caught three passes. I'm, he's not Kareem Hunt. I get it when Kareem Hunt is there. But I mean, with all due respect to, you know, AAF Hall of Famer Dearness Johnson, I would like to see Chubb get a few more screens. But on to the Ravens in this one. Lamar Jackson, unfortunately, sprained his ankle early on in this one. Had just thrown four pass attempts, two rush attempts prior to being sidelined. So certainly dudded all the lineups. Can't exactly predict injuries. Credit to Tyler Huntley for coming in, though, rallying the Ravens, you know, 16 second half points and they had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to go ahead and win this thing after they recovered an onside kick so credit to Huntley but we saw kind of who he is he runs around makes a lot of things happen I mean he had let's see 45 rushing yards on six carries he had at least two or three other runs where he was breaking tackles all over the place they got called back on a hold because you know you see a quarterback running sideline to sideline those types of things end up happening so we'll find out the severity with Jackson but I think if he does miss time Tyler Huntley could be someone you know in that Taysom Hill probably not as much Cam Newton area where we're just getting enough rush attempts where at some point we got to realize that those are kind of what we're looking for in fantasy land so I still think you know he only has six carries on the whole game I still think Taysom would be ahead of him but definitely someone to keep an eye out on the streaming map if you are a Lamar Jackson fantasy the nice thing on Huntley real quick since yeah. we're kind of going back and forth here 11 percent scramble rate today which is really good like anything above a 10 is pretty it's elite mm-hmm. um, as far as the design rushing attempts only six percent you know from uh, and again he wasn't in there the full game but he was in there nearly the whole game but the 270 yards passing like was the most encouraging thing um, and I know we'll talk about the skill players but I was just happy to see that he was able to still support Mark Andrews uh, Marquise Brown didn't come through as big in the box score but he still had his targets Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to discredit Huntley as a passer too much. 27 for 38, 270 yards. He got Andrews and Bateman over 100 yards. I mean, the Andrews game was huge. Caught all 11 of his targets, 115 yards and a score. In the Bateman game, I thought he scored, dude. Like, he made this sick contested catch. Got down to the one-yard line. I understand the Ravens not blowing a challenge there, but it looked like he scored. They ran up to the line and gave Latavius Murray his only carry of the day, which, of course, he converted for a touchdown but I was really impressed with Bateman uh, throughout the game. It seemed like every time they threw him the ball, he was making things happen. After the catch, at the catch point, um, it's clear why everyone was so high on him. Only point with uh, Hollywood Brown is he was open for a 42-yard score. Unfortunately, got overthrown by Huntley. So we still saw Marquise have eight targets. Bateman have eight targets. Andrews have 11 targets. Dwayne, was the behind the, you know, behind the uh, box score utilization better for Bateman because yeah. we were comfortable with him as a wide receiver three for weeks until freaking Sammy Watkins took his job over the past two games. Yeah, and I, I don't, I still don't know that we have complete clarity, but it was a step back in the right direction, you know, because basically he and Watkins flipped roles this week. It was Watkins only out there for 25% of the routes. Last week, Bateman was like around 40%. But this week, Bateman got up to 75%. Um, Routes per drop back, Devin Duvernay, 67%. Marquise Brown, 95%. Mark, and Mark Andrews, 89%. <clears throat> Andrews was just like on a tear today. He and Kittle were like obviously the two the big tight ends today. But target share, 30%. Air yards, 24%. Yards per route run, 2.5. So, yeah, 11 targets, 11 catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown for Andrews. So, if you had him in your lineup, he went a long way. He, he really gave you an advantage over most of the other tight ends on the slate today. Um, Brown was, again, did lead the team in routes, um, led the team in air yards, 31%. ADOT was 13.3 versus Bateman was more the intermediate, 9.3. Andrews was just a tad under that, 6.5. So all the guys were were involved. And if, if you are a Marquise Brown 
um, fantasy manager, you're still fine. Like he had seven targets, five receptions, 41 yards. Yeah, didn't do everything you wanted today. But the key thing is 95% of the routes. And so that's still first on the team. So he's, he's a huge part of the team's plans. You know, these guys just can't hit every single week. Seemed like Devontae Freeman's role was as good as ever. 13 yep. carries, five receptions. No reason to be worried about Latavius other than that annoying vulture. Yeah, that's yeah. it. 60% of uh, 66% of the snaps versus 27% for Latavius. Uh, out there, 60% of the routes handled short down distance, long down distance, two-minute offense. He pretty much did everything. Um, so I think he's he's you know, he's as close as you can be to an every down role. He just has to share carries with a quarterback. <laughs> Every week, RB2, regardless. We can live with yeah. two rusher backfields. Final point is just over the Mark Andrews excellence. Our PFF Lily matchup stat. People, Mark Andrews is your fantasy football tight end one right now. And it's because Kelsey's been slumping in the second half. But whatever. Mark Andrews, 203.6 PPR points. He has a narrow lead over Kelsey, who's at 196.9. This would mark the first time since 2015 Excuse me. that Kelsey didn't finish as the overall tight end one. Shout out, Mark Andrews. We all knew you were good, man. But this is truly something special. And I just want to reiterate, Dwayne, we talked about this on the uh, review pods before. But in my opinion, there's Kelsey. Kelsey, Kittle, Gronk, and Andrews were like, if you happen to have both of them, I got to start sick questions today with Gronk and Kittle. Start both of them because any of those guys in the flex can produce what you would hope for from a wide receiver too even. Yep, totally agree. That's the that's the elite four. Yep. It's a huge drop-off after that. I wish Darren Waller was in that Elite Four. He's not. Maybe next year. Saints took down the Jets. 30-9. to nine. New Orleans covered as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Under cash at 42-and-a-half. Taysom Hill and these rushing yards, man. They are a hell of a drug. We cannot get enough of it in fantasy. This one, 11 carries, 73 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. It was looking like only a good game for him to start, but at the end, 44-yard back-breaking score in garbage time to go ahead and get himself another QB1 performance. Six for six at this point in his career, and the rushing just remains ridiculous. PFF Lily stat for this one is his rushing in six career starts because, dude, he has had three games in these six starts with multiple rushing scores. In the games where he didn't score, he still went for 83, 33, and then 101 rushing yards. So Taysom Hill, he might be thrown with a banged up finger, but you know, Dwayne, it didn't look too much worse for the wear. 15 for 21 for 175 yards on the day. It wasn't pretty. It's never pretty with Taysom under center, but I can live with that, man. We were worried about how, like, if anything, they could throw the ball. I think after this performance, we can get back to locking in Taysom as a weekly top 12 quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he yeah, he looks good um, running the ball. I mean, and it was the Jets. I do worry about it him was against the teams. That, <laughs> I do worry about teams that can stop the run because that's really all the Saints have. Like, if you could take that away from them, you're going to destroy them. Um, and so that's that's going to be the problem, you know, for Taysom. But I think he will be a borderline, you know, tight end. I mean, quarterback one. You could probably you'd love to play him at tight end. Then he'd be an elite tight end too. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of these players that, like, yes, he is fine for fantasy. He drives you nuts when you watch him, like from a football perspective. Oh, yeah. You're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, this is not an NFL quarterback. Um, but it is what it is for fantasy. So yeah, I think he's definitely a QB one. I am interested to see how does he handle situations where you know they can't just come out and run and they're going to end up playing from behind i guess we kind of saw that with dallas and so the passing woes were much more we could see them but again he still finishes a qb1 that week as well so i mean i think your point is well taken 
Um, as far as you know, some of these other guys, there's nothing to talk about as far as the receivers <laughs> because either Never this is. is a running team or you don't want, you don't really want to see Taysom Hill throwing the ball. I mean, you got two catches for 34 yards for Callaway, three for 33 for Traquan Smith. Your boy Nick Vanette, three catches for yeah. 44 yards. Blocking expert Nick Ver- Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette now showing off his his uh, receiving chops. Uh, the other big thing is just Alvin Kamara being back. Uh, 74% of the snaps, 66% of the routes, 63% of the rushing attempts, uh, 28% target per route run. That's number one on the team. 25% target share tied with Nick Vanette. So, I mean, it's not like the huge uh, targets that we're used to, but like as long as, Kam- as long as Kamara is leading the team, that way, like when the attempts do go up in a game, as long as that share stays the same, then that's a positive thing, right? Maybe he's not as accurate as Drew Brees, but still, we'll take all the targets we can get. He had five today. And Kamara looked like back to 100%. Yes. Week high, seven missed tackles, forced on the runs, 120 yards on the ground, 25 more as a receiver. Uh, if you guys caught that 10 questions podcast, I did this last week with Matt Kelly. Matt's pick, and I tend to agree with them, for fantasy MVP during the playoffs. Alvin Kamara would be back-to-back years. Gotta love having him on the squad at this point. Only other note was, yeah, Marquez Callaway, only she's from this game. He had a great catch and run, man, like 26 yards, broke a couple tackles, just short of the goal line, so couldn't get in there. But yes, to your point, Dwayne, can't trust anyone in this passing game. And, you know, I did say Taysom every week, QB 12, and of course I look at their schedule and I see the next week they got to play arguably the toughest run D in the entire league in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So going to think through that will a little force bit the, more. Who will force the Saints to trail, most yes. likely. Yes, so he'll he'll be on that borderline for sure, but guaranteeing top 12, I could see, you know, especially with bye weeks being over, him being maybe more top 15 than top 12. Hey, the thing I'll week. say for Hill is Sean Payton at this point seems determined like to just yeah. like gut it out and make it work for the year. And so I, I think that's a positive because mm-hmm. we, I think we both agree Sean Payton's a really good coach. He can get, he maximizes the talent of his players. So I think that's a big positive that Taysom does have going for him. Hundred percent. We don't have too much to talk about on the Jets at this point. Unfortunately, friend of the pod, Brian Drake's Jamison Crowder call did not work out. I mean, look, I saw a hey, lot of people. Three for have, nineteen. Three for nineteen. You know. <laughs> I saw a lot of people with the Jamison Crowder thing. And you know what? He maybe he'll have a good game down the stretch. Ultimately, though, it's just it's too crowded in this with these wide receivers. We've talked about it all year. Too many guys just getting a decent level of snaps. And we saw Elijah Moore. We saw Corey Davis break away with that. Expecting now the third or fourth guy to just seamlessly step up and get there uh, is wishful thinking. Well, so it was Barrios that did what Drake had hoped, really, yeah. that the Crowder <laughs> would do on less work. 47% of the routes, uh, nine targets, six receptions. So he had the highest target share in the day, 24%. But this team's just a mess without Elijah Moore. Like, what's the threat? What What is anyone afraid of? And this is no offense to these players, but. Elijah Moore was a game breaker, right? When you have somebody like that, it opens things up for everybody else. Now you just, you have a lot of guys that are really, they're more complimentary weapons, right? Jameson Crowder, Keelan Cole, solid players, right? I mean, in their own right. But yeah. when, a, when an opposing defensive coordinator is drawn up the game plan for the week, like these guys don't strike fear into them and make them want to give additional help coverage or things like that that can open these players up. So I think that's just problematic. Um, we did see LaMichael P. Ryan, uh, if that gets your thing going, if that, if that does anything for you, Ian, 54% of the rushing attempts. Uh, Austin Walter ended up leaving this game early. With an illness that he wasn't even on the injury report with. It's the Jets, man. Why why am I even upset? 
upset about this because I'm setting my lineups right before kickoff. And I real, you know, some of these leagues, like you need to start three running backs. And I just didn't do a good enough job realizing that during the week. So it was like guys that were literally out. So I had to go pick up a running back. I see Austin Walter and I, you know, studying these backfields. I was like, okay, I'm not thrilled about this, but he should go out there and get five to 10 touches, hopefully. And uh, to yeah, see that mid game illness that we had heard nothing about. Uh, that was one of the more tilting things. For you know, I, I think I've only heard that maybe one other time. <laughs> Just all in the in-game game illness. Lamar? Like, and it was Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, last year on Sunday Night Football. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite as cool as a finish to the game for uh, our guy, Austin Walter. But I do hope he's feeling better. Hopefully my dynasty squad uh, gets the dub without him. But yeah, I mean, I think just the Pirine's presence with Walter out shows that Ty Johnson, like we, we can't trust the guy. And I do wonder, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch this uh, full game, but Ty Johnson did lead the week with three drops. So I do wonder if Pirine was maybe getting a little more involved because of Ty's mishaps. But Ty yeah. had all the passing down work, though. Not 94%, 94% of long down distance, 100% of the two minute, uh, 100% of the short down distance. It was literally the Michael, the Michael P. Ryan was just handling first and second downs, um, you know, with like first and tens, second and fives, that kind of stuff. He was out there and then Ty Johnson took everything else. But here's the thing, like it just hasn't mattered. Like there was a period where Ty Johnson was actually producing, even though he wasn't the lead back. Then he's kind of become the lead back. Isn't it funny how this stuff works? And now <laughs> we can't get anything at all out of Ty Johnson. He did have seven targets today, um, four receptions, 40 yards. But we just said we weren't going to say much about the Jets and we've already said too much. So we should probably just move on. About to say, we got Taysom Hill, we got Alvin Kamara. Other than that from this <laughs> game. On. You don't need to worry about him in fantasy. Seahawks took down the Texans 33 to 13. Seattle covered as a nine and a half point favorite. The over cashed at 41. Dwayne Russ keeps on looking better, man. Wasn't perfect, but we finally saw, you know, that moon ball that leaves your television screen and actually comes down into the waiting arms of Tyler Lockett, who is on fire at the moment. Finished this one with 142 yards and a score. Unfortunately, things, and it could have even been bigger for Lockett, man, because he had 91 unrealized air yards. Uh, this week, I believe that was the second or third highest mark um, on the week. So in the passing game, though, could have been so much bigger for DK Metcalf. I counted two, at least three sheeshes here. He scored a 23-yard touchdown. It got nullified on a holding penalty. It is what it is. Later, he runs a six slant and go. He gets open. And they, it was going to be a touchdown, but he got, drew the uh, defensive pass interference penalty. What do the Seahawks do? Russ, being a good teammate, he knows he needs to get Metcalf going, goes right back to Metcalf. The problem was he threw the ball about three yards behind him, even though he was open for what would have been a good eight yard score on the slant. So not one, not two, but three missed opportunities for touchdowns with Metcalf. So this is why I like to watch the games and go over this stuff. So you're not the person on Twitter that just says, you know, Metcalf sucks. He had 43 yards, not, you know, doesn't always tell the whole story with that. So Dwayne, it wasn't ideal here, but I just, I love when I see a team like this. And I think Cousins and the Vikings with Thielen and Jefferson do this better than anyone. I love when you have two elite targets and you focus everything around them. Lockett had nine targets, Metcalf had eight, nobody else had more than three. If we got Russ, not fully cooking, but at least getting back to his more normal self, I think he's, we can get he's back. He's at least simmering, right? Yeah, he's at least there we simmering. Go. <laughs> Maybe not full on cooking yet. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying we were like letting these guys free fall down the ranks to begin with, but I feel more confident than I did two weeks ago for sure about starting Lockett and Metcalf every single week throughout the playoffs. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's two weeks in a row where we've seen them, you know, get up towards the 10 target. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't want to get crazy. We don't want to give them no, 10 no, targets no. each. You know, the problem still for, and we need this consolidation because the Seahawks ran the second least plays today. Um, the Jaguars only had 55. This includes penalties, so it will be a little bit different than this. But the Jaguars had 55. The Seahawks had 61. So, you know, at, at least they were better than the Jaguars. But that's been the big problem all year, you know, as the Seahawks. We just can't get enough volume. So, to your point, when we can get this complete consolidation just to these two guys, then we you still can't get to the 10, 11, and 12 targets like you'll see for some other teams. But if you could be around between 7 and 9 for these two players with the type of targets they get down the field, I think you could be in good shape. Um, Lockett, 5.92 yards per route run today. Uh, 1.72 for Ooh. DK Metcalf. Um, and if you looked at it, you know, only 50% of DK Metcalf's passes were catchable today and only 50, 56% for Lockett were catchable. So again, Russ is starting to simmer. He's not fully cooking, but I think he is progressing in the right direction. So I, I think there's a little bit of promise for Lockett and Metcalf down the street. Obviously Lockett's already been here. Like he's, he's been fine for like the last four games, you know, but I think Metcalf's in a good spot to, um, you know, he's, he's just going to be, look, he's got a boom bust to his nature, but he's going to have to be in the wide receiver two conversation every week. I I still put him at like that. I'm not going to downgrade him this week, you know, even though he's had a several bad games in a row. I mean, I've already downgraded him. He used to be a low-end wide receiver one. He's a mid-range wide receiver two. But you know any given week, he could still be the number one wide receiver on the entire slate. Um, the other thing real quick is the backfield, man. Rashad yeah. Penny. The second Rashad week Dollar. Row. More like Rashad Dollar, Dwayne. Yeah, yeah. Rashad Dollar, Rashad Porter. <laughs> I, I hate Rashad, myself for that, but. <laughs> Rashad something. More than Penny. You know, uh, it was the Penny brothers today, both scoring. You know, you had over with, uh, over with the Giants. You also yep. had uh, his brother. Elijah. Score, so, Elijah. Yep. Um, so, anyway, we had 16 carries, 137 yards. Uh, 19% of Rashad Penny's carries went for 10 yards or more. So that's the explosive rate. Stuff rate of only 6%. Yards after contact today, obviously not repeatable, but 7.06, kind of a big deal. 19% missed tackles forced per attempt. Um, so it was a really good day for Penny. As far as utilization goes, 57% of the snaps, 44% of the routes, 59% of the rushing attempts, and he dominated the short down and distance, 70%. A little bit involved in the passing game, but not much. Um, actually, not really. 4%. I only had one target. Uh, Alex Collins was still the, the kind of the next guy up, and then DJ Dallas was the passing down back. That's the part. Like, come on. Like, can it just be between Penny and Collins? Like, we've seen Penny be a good receiving back. But it's DJ Dallas coming out and 70% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. And so, you still, as much as I like Penny, you know, and he looked good this weekend, he looked pretty good last week, it's still tough to trust because we have a low-volume offense. you got a three-way committee, and Pete Carroll will go hot hand on your ass like any moment. <laughs> now, the good news is two weeks in a row we've seen Penny look, for Col look better than Collins. If we could get Collins out of the way and just have it be Penny – and DJ Dallas, like that would be really great. I don't know that we can really plan on that happening. So Penny, the way I look at him and you tell me what your thoughts are, I, I say low end RB2. You're happy when you get these sort of weeks where he breaks the big plays. Yeah, but I'm also wary of Adrian Peterson coming back and being active <laughs> in a future week and making this a four back committee. So credit to the Seahawks. You know, they signed AP. They said we're in win now mode and they're two and oh. I'm, I'm confused why they weren't in win now mode starting in week one, but whatever, you know, uh, this is their route. This is their way of doing things. But yes, I mean, Penny, if you're going to be the lead back in Seattle, even if it is going to be slightly muddled, they wanted to run the ball enough. I think low end RB2 is very fair. Uh, just final couple points. Gerald Everett did get back into the end zone. It was maybe like the worst one 
one yard touchdown I've ever seen. I didn't think he was even going to get there at first, but just the tip of the ball got across that uh, goal line. So at least he did get that. But we did see Will Disley actually get more targets. Dwayne, was Everett still having his full-time role or was it more split than usual? It was a little bit more split than usual. Um, he, I mean, he still led the way, but it was kind of your fear that you had. And I don't know if it's tied to that. I haven't been able to check any notes because, you know, sometimes these players leave a game for a series and stuff, and we don't sure. always see about it. Was it was a 20-point game, too, so. Right. So you had 62% of the routes go to Gerald Everett, 41% to Disley. So he's still ahead, but we had seen Everett up in the 70 and 80% yeah. range of routes, which is really where you want him to be. This is more complete punt play if he's going to be stuck down here in the 60, 65% range. Exactly. He was someone that was creeping into my top 15 every week, and that's not going to work with that sort of usage. Final note on the Seahawks is our PFF Lowy stat. Shout out to this Russ and Tyler Lockett connection. We have 115 wide receivers with at least 100 targets since 2018, which was when Tyler Lockett became a full-time starter. Nobody has a better QB rating when targeted than Tyler Lockett, 131.4. Nobody else has even passed 125. So more greatness from them. Real quick on the Texans, and I mean it. Davis Mills, good game. And he got a lot of protection. Like, that was one of the things I looked at afterwards. Pass protection for the Texans was, like, one of the lowest pressure rates of the week. So I'm pretty sure that's why he was able to get up over 300. Enable Brandon Cooks to 101 yards. Nico Collins had 69. We even had a touchdown pass to Brevin Jordan. Almost a bigger day. Brandon Cooks originally had a short slant for a touchdown rule just short after review. So are we going to play Mills with any sort of confidence going forward? No. What's going on with the backfield? David Johnson got COVID, missed the game, and then Rex Burkhead hurt his groin, which led to Royce Freeman getting most of the work. And of course, he barely did anything with it on the ground. 11 carries, 15 yards. He did catch six balls for 51 yards, but come on. Like, it's not like we've seen enough of this now. Royce is not going to become the feature back, regardless of how many guys are going to be out of the picture. We'll continue to see someone else come in and out of this lineup so brandon cooks he is a boomer bust weekly wide receiver three and that is it Dwayne, any other thoughts no we'll keep it super brief the only other thing i would say is nico collins does kind of continue to hold down that wide receiver two spot so just an interesting thing to watch i know he graded out well recently on matt Harmon's kind of mid-season reception perception grade so i thought that was interesting he had 20 percent of the targets today 35 percent of the air yards 79 percent of the routes so uh, obviously, Brandon Cooks is still the one, but it looks like Collins could be starting to kind of just nail down that number two role, nine targets, five receptions, 69 yards. I was thinking when I was watching Nico today, and because he has the number two job cemented, we just can't really use much of it this year. But when we start looking at like best ball in February and stuff like that, I think we're going to see uh, Nico Collins as one of the best values because, you know, you'd I'd like to think that they're going to have a different quarterback under center. Passing game could be better in 2022. Maybe even Watson's back. And it does look like Nico is at worst the number two. And maybe just maybe Brandon Cooks takes his talents elsewhere once again. And we see Nico emerge as a great value. AFC South action. Tennessee Titans blank the Jacksonville Jaguars. 22-0. This game was ugly as hell. Ryan Tannehill, you know, showed off the wheels a little bit. Had a nice 17-yard uh, run. Also scored a touchdown. Got our little, you know, uh, finger roll that he always does when he scores. I appreciate that. But man, oh man, when you win a game and you don't have a single player rush or catch for even 50 yards, that's, that's a sheesh for me, Dwayne. That's a tough one to overcome. <laughs> Julio, I mean, he led the way with six targets. Only caught four of them for 33 yards. I thought he looked 
healthy enough. I think it was just more of a factor of them not really needing to throw the ball to win this one. But my goodness, man, this offense just continues to underwhelm without Derrick Henry. With Henry, they were, let's see, eighth in overall EPA per play, second in rushing, 15th in passing. Without Henry, 28th in overall EPA per play, 27th in rushing, 22nd in passing. The only offenses that have been less efficient in the Titans this year in terms of EPA per play since Derrick Henry got hurt, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Panthers, and the Giants, not a good group to be a part of, everyone. So, yeah, Dwayne, at this point, you know, we got Deontay Foreman as the lead back, but it sure looked like McNichols and Hilliard continued to be involved. So Julio is someone that I'm probably going to be, you know, still sticking in that wide receiver three range, hoping we see a little bit more uh, pass. I don't, like with this, the way the team's going, I don't think they could be able to play in this positive a game script moving forward. So I think Julio is usable. I think Foreman will probably be in that low end borderline RB2 range. Other than that, miss me with this offense right now. Yeah, it's it's nasty, though. I mean, it's a three way committee. Uh, so here are the snaps across. So McNichols led the way with 38 oh, percent. And that's in a leading strip. Dontrell Hilliard with 34 oh, percent. No. Foreman with 32 percent. Routes, 18 percent to McNichols, who's the third who we thought was the third. Well, he was the third down back. He had the long down and distance and the two minute offense. He handled most of that. 71 percent, 100 percent. Then you had Dontrell Hilliard, uh, nine, you know, 28 percent of the routes. Uh, 23% to, to Deonta Foreman. And then as far as the rushing attempts, 28% to McNichols, 19% to Hilliard, and 41% to Foreman. Foreman did handle 100% of the short down and distance duties, which is one to two yards to go, third or fourth down. And then long distance, two minute, like I said, most to McNichols, but Hilliard did spell McNichols a little bit there. So it's just, it's it's a mess, man. I, I do, I think that Foreman may be the most game script dependent, you know, looking at this. Um, he did have the most of the rushing attempts at 41%. Uh, and then targets per route run. They did target some, Foreman some, early in the game. 22% targets per route run, but still only two on the game. Caught uh, two of those balls for 15 yards. So kind of a mess. Julio didn't look like they were really ready to get him fully going again yet, In 59% of the routes today. So it appears they're kind of easing him back in. 18% target share, though, did tie for first on the team, despite only coming up with four balls for 33 yards. I, I agree with you. I think Julio's going to be – I mean, he'll be in my wide receiver four range. That's where he was when, you know, he got injured. I think he still belongs in that same range. But until we get A.J. Brown back, I think the ceiling is clearly higher, um, assuming that he continues to be healthy moving forward. Would note that can't put too much, you know, blame on Tannehill for another mediocre performance because the Titans were pressured on 42% of their dropbacks. That is not great. Bob, real quick on the Jaguars. Yeah, I think enough people are just trashing Urban Meyer and company. Deservably so. I'm not trying to say they shouldn't uh, be being trashed out there, but we don't need to spend too much time on them. Trevor Lawrence, four picks. It seemed like at some point in the second quarter, he just kind of said, like, F it and started chucking balls downfield. So we got a great 41-yard contested catch by Laquan Trebwell. Even Marvin Jones reeled one in for 30 yards, but it was just kind of one ho-hum deep ball that didn't seem to have an intended target after another. So that's what happens when, you know, you plead to give the ball more to your best player, James Robinson, and they respond with, oh, let's see, six carries, four yards, and not a single target. So Dwayne, can we even tweet Robinson as a must start at this point? Because we were already looking at it pretty damn skeptically. There was some sort of squeaky wheel appeal last week. I know it's not like Hyde was more involved than Robinson, but my goodness, man, I don't really even, even some of these earlier season Texans offenses, they were not as putrid as this group. Yeah, they're bad. Um, I mean, it's definitely a downgrade just due to the offense. I mean, and this is where utilization is helpful. Like, 
this game got away pretty quickly from the Jaguars. I mean, it was never really a blowout. I mean, they end up they ended at twenty to zero. Right? Ten nothing still, and a half. Eighty eight percent of the rushing attempts still went to Robinson today. Hundred percent of the short down. So really, his role is the exact same as it was last week. They just didn't run the ball today. Carlos Hyde got to get him out there and long down distance. Ian is a must do because he is a. He's a passing connoisseur, right? He he like he loves you know to assume passing snaps from other good players. So we gotta love Carlos Hyde. You know, I mean, he was always known as a great receiving back coming out of college, right? That's that's what I always think of. You know, when I hear Carlos <laughs> Hyde, I think yeah. of a pass catcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for the receivers, man, there's nothing there unless you're going to make a LaVisca Chenault chip. <laughs> Chiefs took down the Raiders 48-9. Kansas City covering as a 9.5-point favorite over cashed. Hey, the Chiefs blew up the Raiders. We, know, we knew they could do this. They did it the last time. The question is, can they keep on this sort of offense performance against worse teams or against better teams? Excuse me. But either way, man, it is another game where the Chiefs defense just showed up well. They have allowed 17 or fewer points in every game since October ended with that disappointing 27-3 loss to the Titans. So shout out to that defense. God forbid Mahomes does start getting his crap together in the stretch run. This will be a scary team that no one wants to play in the playoffs. So Mahomes, he, he, he looked back, man, but he looked back against the Raiders the first Time, so that's why I'm hesitant to fully go off on a, you know the, a limb with that. But I did think you know seeing him hit a 44-yard bomb to meet Cole Hardman, hitting a 38-yard pass to Tyree Kill that was like shades of 2018, completely ill-advised pass that you wouldn't want anyone to make except Patrick Mahomes. So of course he throws it back across the field into the waiting arms of one of the league's best receivers. So Tyreek only four targets, but caught all four of them for 76 yards. They just didn't need to throw the ball because this team was up 35 to three at halftime, only 24 total pass attempts. I mean, Nobody, not a single person on the Chiefs had more than four targets. So, yeah, Travis Kelsey, a disappointing 27 yards on three catches. Are we treating these guys a single bit different, meaning Tyreek and Kelsey moving forward? Absolutely not. Still locked in as arguably top overall players at their position. Now, with the running game, Dwayne, I know Clyde cashed in for people. He had three catches, whopping five yards, but he did score two touchdowns on the ground. Once again, though, especially in the passing game, it seemed like Daryl Williams was staying Every bet is involved. Yeah, Daryl Williams, sixty-seven percent of, of uh, sorry, sixty percent of long down and distance. They didn't use the two-minute offense today. But the other thing is, Daryl Williams is still in these short down and distance carries as well, sixty-seven percent. So it's kind of like Clyde. We talked about this early in the season. He did come through, like you said, with the touchdowns today. Um, but it's just it, it's not going to be consistent. Honestly, like Clyde's lucky to have scored as many points as he you know, has like, we've talked about this before with the expected points tool, um, you know, over at PFF, but Edwards, Alaire, 35% of the snaps. Now they didn't use him late in the game. They let Derek court, they let Derek Gore basically salt the game away whenever it was over. So you can't really read too much into that. I don't think this is a three way backfield. I think it's still two with Edwards, Alaire and Daryl Williams, but in a game where it's a blowout, they just didn't want to get Edwards, Alaire hurt again. The big thing I noticed with Edwards, Alaire, Ian, beyond just utilization, like is he's just not explosive. Like his explosive run rate today, 10, uh, carries of 10 yards or more zero percent again like and he's hit that mark multiple times this year seems to be a player that can make the first one miss but he just doesn't have the speed or acceleration to ultimately just turn that into this big play and it's kind of you know if you have a player in such a limited role it's like you need some of that and so Edward Delaire still a low end RB2 in my mind you know it's really hard to move him anywhere higher than that and I still think he's due for a big bust week where he's just going to do nothing 
would note that Daryl almost actually had a second touchdown. He caught his first one on just a, like they just decided not to guard him on a swing pass. They gave him that cute little underhand shovel thing that only Mahomes does, mm-hmm. and uh, he got stuffed right at the goal line. But I loved it because that paved the way for our guy, Josh Gordon Flash, to catch maybe the shortest one-yard touchdown in NFL history. Josh Gordon, he's back. I mean, you're not touching him in fantasy, but I just like the guy, and it was fun to see him score. So let me have my moment, everyone. Last thing on the Chiefs. Uh, first of all, first Tyreek got shaken up after uh, that long catch I mentioned, but he did return. He might have been in the protocol briefly, but he is good to go. So love to see that. But yeah, man, just to kind of show the people how the difference between Mahomes against the Raiders and everyone else this year. Against the Raiders, Mahomes has seven touchdowns, zero picks, nine yards per attempt, 85.1% adjusted completion rate. Everyone else, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, seven yards per attempt, just 77.7% adjusted completion rate. So come on, Patrick, let's see you do it against someone that is not playing out of Las Vegas. And that Raiders offense was not good in large part because they were pressured on 51% of their dropbacks. So no car was like nothing, nothing close to good in his own right, but took the four sacks. He had an interception, but he hit Foster Moreau in the chest and Moreau just coughed it up. It was the same thing that happened on that chase uh, drop to interception last week and the Gerald Everett one. So that's gotta be the most frustrating thing ever. And, Dwayne, it's one of the things I love about PFF because we have a stat to solve that problem. That is turnover-worthy plays. So, yes, I know the turnover-worthy plays, the big-time throws, you can call them a little bit subjective, but you see these moments where it becomes clear that they are for the betterment of, you know, us fancy footballers and just general fans of the game. So, just keep in mind that while this was a horrific performance by the Raiders, we have seen worse games from Carr. I mentioned that interception. And basically, this offense put the ball on the ground four times and Every single time Chiefs came up with a car loss, one fumble, Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs each lost another. I mean, you know, Dwayne, we've been begging for Deshaun Jackson to get a full-time role in here. He only had one catch in this one. Brian Edwards, a.k.a. T.O., a.k.a. Randy Moss, continues to do nothing. (laughs) Hopefully, Darren Waller is back next week because we've now seen Foster Moreau dud in three straight. But if not... We at least have one god on this Raiders team, and that is Hunter Renfro. This will be his fifth wide receiver one finish in six games without Henry Ruggs. 13 catches on 14 targets for 117 yards and a score. I feel like we've been good throughout the year, Dwayne, of like moving up Renfro past consensus, but where are we ranking him at this point, man? Because he's posting consistent top 15 production. Well, the thing that like is encouraging is his two weeks in a row where his routes per drop back have been up over 90%. So it appears like he's not necessarily just dependent on 11 personnel. Um, and that was the problem earlier in the year. Like if the Raiders would get in these games where they would only use 11, 60% of the time, well, that means Hunter Renfro was only in a route 60%, you know, and then they would have the games where they would be behind, they use more 11, then you would see Hunter Renfro in a route 80% of plays. We've got two weeks in a row where they're figuring out how to keep him on the field, no matter what personnel that they're using. And so I think that's a big positive for him. Um, and that's led to really the higher ceiling as well for a game like this. Um, you know, it turns into the 14 targets and the 13 receptions, but 34% target share, 30% targets per route run. He's out there anytime, any kind of important situation, two minute offense, long down distance, got to have it like Hunter Renfro is always on the field. So, yeah, I think at this point, like what I, I dude, I know as soon as I move him to like a high end wide receiver <laughs> two or something, he's going to suck. Done. Like, yeah. I can promise you that, <laughs> um, you know, but these two weeks in a row of, of, of this high, you know, amount of routes like is really important. And obviously he and Carl, like, man, they're, they're on, it's like hand in glove. Like they're on the same page big time. Um, it's kind of like back with Brady and Welker, 
you know, I mean, it's, it's like they're, they're that in sync and not, not, I know I'm going to probably get like some, I'm going to get all sorts of DMs about about Derek Carr and, you know, Brady. But anyway, the point is just like, they're on the same page. Uh, Moreau encouraging thing, 84% of the routes didn't obviously come through with very much production, five targets, three receptions, 13 yards, Josh Jacobs utilization was there. It just wasn't his day, man. Um, Just wasn't his day. Uh, The run blocking was not good today. Josh Jacobs was not very good today. He had a 39.3 PFF rush grade for the day, 46.3 offensive grade overall. Um, But he was out there for 75% of the snaps, 59% of the routes. Remember, once we get up over 60%, you're in an elite range. We did have Jalen Richard out of the game again. But uh, Peyton Barber was really a non-factor. Only until late, until late. I think those routes would have been up higher if the game had you know not been forty-eight to freaking nine. (laughs) Yeah, so twelve percent of the of the routes to Peyton Barber today. So it just wasn't really a factor. Um, Jacobs had eighty-three percent of the long down and distance, one hundred percent of the two-minute offense, which they needed quite a bit today. Targets per route run, twenty percent, and target share, fifteen percent. So another nice day in the receiving department where he kind of saved you. You know, he had six targets, five or receptions 46 yards so Jagas for me right now continues to be in the RB1 conversation I know it was a dud today but we follow what we follow the volume that which volume. is driven by the utilization and Jacobs is in a good spot they got the Browns Broncos and Colts to end the year those are not easy matchups so you know I think actually trying to push Jacobs as a top five top six back maybe asking a little too much even if that is what his utilization tells us but to your point Dwayne I I think it's going to continue to be tough to rank more than 10 11 guys ahead of him on a weekly basis NFC South battle Falcons took down the Panthers 29 to 21 Atlanta covered two and a half point dog over cash at 41 and a half. Not Matt Ryan's best game. Win is a win is a win. He did happen to hit Hayden Hurst for a short touchdown, but had an easy 75 yard layup to Tajay Sharp. Absolutely duck. I mean, this was an atrocious throw. I, I hope I'm not hating on him like he got tipped. That's what it seemed like. It reminded me of the Duck Hunter game from like Nintendo back in the day. That bad. Just could not get the ball out there. And we saw him push it downfield at least a couple times before that. Notably, Russell Gage had a nice 36-yard catch where he was lined up out wide, and he also did a nice double move. So Russell Gage, man, he's low-key one of, I think, the more fun guys to see. On the follow-up wide receiver cornerback, ISO Cam. He's more than just this slot receiver that lives on volume. We saw it today with the way he was getting open. So four catches, 64 yards on six targets. Wasn't huge. I know a lot of people were finally getting around to starting him after uh, you know he had been having these good several weeks in a row, and now he kind of dudded. But we just need to realize this was a kind of funky game where Matt Ryan only threw the ball 28 total times. So Russell Gage, I think, still stands as a weekly wide receiver three option. And credit to Kyle Pitts, man. He finally Finally got a little bit of something going. Caught five of six targets for 61 scoreless yards. We also have Mike Davis getting uh, five catches on six targets. So those were kind of the main guys they were flowing the passing game through. I don't know why Cordero Patterson didn't get double the chances of anyone, but I think in the future he'll make up more of his five targets. And CPAT did manage to score a touchdown. Dwayne, what was interesting though was that Patterson did not play at all in the fourth quarter. I think they asked about this in the post game. They said he wasn't hurt. How bad was the kind of overall utilization because from a pure touch count we had cp at 18 touches mike davis at 16 i know we don't like mike davis but man enough people have given up on him it's hard to find running backs in the waiver wire that can see 15 touches yeah yeah um i mean I, we're obviously still leaning to CPAT. my guess is um you know what was the score at the end like it was never completely out of hand was it 
And it was 17, let's see, it was 17-7 at halftime, and it was 20-17 to 17 in the third quarter. So Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good reason to not have Patterson out there. Um, seems like they would have. But, yeah, it was close. 56% of the snaps to Mike Davis. Corderell Patterson was out there 50%, and there is overlap between their snaps sometimes because Patterson plays outside and in the slot. Um, routes per pass play, 55% to Mike Davis, 42% to Patterson. Rushing attempts, 32% to Mike Davis, 43% to Patterson. Um, short down a distance, a little more to Davis. And and uh, Mike Davis did handle all the long down a distance today. Um, really, they were close, like from a targets per route run, both of them very involved, 38%, 33%, 23% target share to Davis, 15% to Corderell Patterson. And then um, this was Kyle Pitts' lowest utilization day. Like he he played better, like, like you mentioned, like his receiving grade, uh, PFF receiving grade today, 73.7, which is really solid. He's had a couple of rough spots here recently. You know, he had had a 23% target share, which is great, but we got Hayden Hurst back and they did split the role more. So you saw Hayden Hurst out there for 48% of the routes and Kyle Pitts, 74%, where he had been up like 85%, 90%. But maybe, maybe that's what he needs, Ian. Maybe he needs just you know, a break every now and then. And maybe, maybe that's part of it, right? Just being a rookie coming into the league, playing in a longer season and, you know, having to play outside facing all this, you know, help coverage and all this stuff, you know, that's a tiring task. So maybe, maybe that's a, something where you see utilization go down a little bit, but maybe the efficiency goes up. Uh, you mentioned Russell Gage, didn't come through huge, but still got you the four catches for 64 yards from a target share standpoint. Um, 23%. So it was he and Pitts and Mike Davis leading the way today with Coral Patterson coming in fourth. But like you said, I expect Patterson to lead the group most weeks, at least the running back group. Yeah, that's maybe the one thing capping his ceiling. I'm looking at his uh, snaps by alignment. Like in week five, we had 18 snaps in the slot or out wide. Week seven, we had 24. Just 11 this week, 15 last week, and only six before. So he is being used as more of a true running back. He's still scoring his touchdowns. He's going to be tough to keep out with the top 15 or 18 guys. But man, like the peak of his fantasy-friendly value this year was when he was being used almost every bit as often in the backfield. It does make you wonder if he's still battling the injury a little bit. Remember, Could I mean, be. he came back from a high ankle sprain really early. Yeah. You know, I mean, he came Makes back sense. after after he only missed one game with that. So I think there's a there's a chance that that's something that's going on. And maybe they're just trying to manage that a little bit. Either way, CPAC, congrats. Ten offensive touchdowns on the year from 2013 to 2020. Eighteen combined. Obviously, the dude is the kick return goat. Fantastic to see his late career breakout. I hope he gets paid in the offseason. I would understand why teams might not be lining up for it, but you could imagine. On the Panthers side of things, Cam Newton got benched twice in this one. First at the end of the first half, P.J. Walker comes in, immediately throws a pick for himself. Cam comes back in the second half and then was relieved once again by Walker at the end. Matt Rule did come out and say that Cam is still the quarterback. So, Dwayne, everyone's calling it a benching. I just did myself. But at the same time, maybe this was just Matt Rule doing what he said he was potentially going to do, and that is use Walker in these quote-unquote packages. So He said this, that Walker just knows the two-minute offense better. That, okay. was his, that was his That's what he said, you know, at least. Cool. So um, That makes sense. It, it does. Like, if you're out there and you just got to know it all and you got to be going at warp speed and if you're just not completely there yet 
um, then I can I can understand that. But it's a nuisance for sure. Oh, 100%. I mean, hey, credit to Walker. He did throw the bad pick, but he threw a real nice touchdown to Robbie Anderson on a fade where the ball was exactly where it needed to be. Um, Dwayne, in this one, we were comfortable with Cam. He didn't completely bust. We got 47 rushing yards and a score that happened on the first drive of the game. Threw for 178 yards um, through the air on his own. But, man, moving forward, we got the Bills next. Then we got the Bucks. It was a conversation about like Cam versus Taysom and some of these other guys. I think it's going to be really tough to trust Cam in these playoffs. Now that we know how short that leash is, man, yeah. I mean, top 18 maybe, but I don't think he's going to be a recommended start in one QB leagues by any stretch. Yeah, I agree. I think you got to see him truly just take over this role, and I don't know that we're going to see that at this point. So I'm, I'll am i be leery about having him anywhere inside the top 15 for sure. Once you get past that every week, usually there's a, you know there's kind of a group of guys that he could probably be with just for the upside. Um, I mean, the good thing is 36% of the, of the design rushing attempts, right? Yep. So, I mean, that's still the positive thing that's coming through, you know, for Newton. 10 carries today, 47 yards and a rushing touchdown. 30% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. I mean, so, like, he's still got it in the running game. So, um, but just doesn't have that upside that we thought in the passing game. If he's not going to, he struggles as a passer too, just like Taysom Hill. Not not as bad as Hill, but he has struggled. But if he's all of a sudden going to be someone that can't play the two minute offense, or there's certain packages where he can't be out there, then yeah, that just really that's it's going to make it really difficult to have him anywhere near the top twelve. Final thoughts on that passing game. I mentioned Robbie caught the touchdown. Seven catches for 84 yards and a score. You'd have to be a pretty sick person to start him at this point in the year, but maybe some of those old best ball teams got you a nice little start out of that. And DJ Moore, six catches, 84 yards on 10 targets. Made one of the catches of the year when he was out of bounds. Just put one hand up and snagged it, man. Odell Beckham with the Giants-esque. Didn't count, but it was still pretty cool. Unfortunately, couldn't get a true blow from DJ, but hey, uh, what would that be, you know? 14.4 PPR points, not the worst day in the world either. He'll continue to be, you know, borderline wide receiver two probably at this point after the buys that has the usage of a more of a wide receiver one. Last thing on this one, Dwayne, we talked yeah. about the potential for Chuba to lose a lot of work to Abdullah. It sure looked that way, man. He managed to find the end zone in this, but Abdullah got all four of the targets. And man, Chuba only had a 10 to four lead in the carries. With these upcoming matchups, we're expecting more negative game script. Chuba, man, he's going to be another guy that's pretty tough to squeeze inside that top 24. And if we can, not too far inside it. Yeah, I don't think you can, to be honest, because it's really Cam Newton and he are splitting the early down carries. And then you have Amir Abdullah handling all the passing down work. So Abdullah only had 16% of the rushing attempts, 40% to Chuba, and 36% to Cam. Um, and then you had 50% of the short down distance go to Chuba Hubbard and 50% to Amir Abdullah. 83% long down distance, 78% of the two-minute offense, all to Abdullah. So I do agree. I think Chuba Hubbard's value is very fragile at this point. I think there's a lot of ways like it can go wrong. Um, I think even if you're in a big leading game script, you're not guaranteed to get paid off because of the existence of Cam. And to your point, if you end up trailing, like he could be, a, he could just give you two or three points. Um, so, yeah. um, so Chuba for now, um, moving forward, RB three, RB three. You heard it from the man himself, Dwayne the Rock McFarlane. 
Dwayne's Cowboys won this one. My Cowboys too. You guys know how it is. Cowboys 27, Washington 20. Dallas covered as a six and a half point favorite. The under barely cashed at 48. This should have been a push, but Washington missed their extra point when they managed to get that ridiculously easy pick six by Dak at the end of the game. So really, you know, if you just saw this score and didn't know anything else, I'm sure you would assume that Dak had this really good game. Was not the case. First drive of the game, or first drive of the game, he threw a pit, he threw a ball that should have been picked, but it got dropped. Second drive, he did sail one that was picked, and then later in the game, just they ran a bootleg because they got Dak freaking Prescott, but it was a situation where they were like up 10. There was no reason to, I think they're up 14 actually. There was no reason to make a bad throw. Dak did, and it got returned to the house, but the Cowboys managed to survive thanks to some late game heroics from that pass rush that really made life a living hell for Taylor Heineke all day. So credit to Parsons, a returning Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. That's the reason why the Cowboys at plus 12 100 before this week were my single favorite Super Bowl bet on the board. So Dak, again, wasn't the best game, but at least we did see Amari Cooper, five catches, 51 yards and a touchdown. He had a good game. Michael Gallup, five catches, 60 yards. Could have been even bigger. He actually had a 46-yard deep ball. He caught, but it got nullified by a hold. And our guy, CeeDee Lamb, seven catches, 461 yards on 10 targets. Just really seeing his yak ability, you know, enhanced out of that role with the slot. And it's tough to watch CeeDee Lamb and think, you know, anything other than this is one of the best receivers in the league we're looking at. And I love when we can find stats that back up what we're seeing with our eyes. Leaders in PFF receiving grade this year. Number one, Devontae Adams. Number two, Cooper Cup. Number three, Justin Jefferson. And number four, C.D. Lamb. I get it. Jefferson, in my opinion, is the best second-year receiver um, you know, in the NFL right now. But C.D. is right behind him. And don't even compare them. They are both just truly incredible talents at the position. And they've been fun to see. But, Dwayne, my biggest takeaway from this passing game, Amari Cooper looked better than he has all year long athletically. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely healthier. You could see it like on a slant that he caught early in the game. Yep. Um, you know, still took a couple of hits and did the normal Amari get up real slow kind of thing. <laughs> and you just never know with Amari. Uh, but hey, he plays through the injuries, so you got to give him credit for that. But yeah, I think Cooper looks good. Led the team in routes 96%. Gallup was second at 93%. And Lamb, 83%, was third. So it does look like Gallup may have reclaimed the, you know, two down or the, the two wide receiver alignment or at least some portion of it. Where he and Lamb are rotating. Didn't matter from a target share standpoint. 26% of the targets to Lamb, which led the team 24% to Gallup, 16% to Amari Cooper today. Um, Zeke did play plenty, 64% of the snaps, 65% of the routes, but only 39% of the rushing attempts. And late in the game, it was pretty much all Corey Clement until like the final drive when they were trying to, you know, when they knew they just had to get a first down, they brought Zeke back out there. So they are managing Zeke's workload. Um, he obviously doesn't look the same, and they're just trying to protect him. Rush grade wasn't terrible today, 63.4, but like he's he's good in pass pro and those sort of things. So he's out there on the passing downs, but they're, even those are kind of empty snaps, Ian, just because they're not using him a ton. Now today he did see six targets in the passing game, which like surprised me when I first saw the number because I watched the whole game and I was like, Zeke had six targets? Well, I mean, only <laughs> one of them. Only, only, got, only caught the ball one time and only 33% of them were catchable. So that was part of the issue. Um, and again, Dak's just been off, man. Like if you look at him over the last several weeks, I mean, his passing yards, 211, 238. He did have 375 versus the Raiders. Cowboys, though, lost that game. Probably shouldn't have. 216 passing yards versus the Chiefs. Now, the week before that, a nice week, you know, against the Falcons, 296. But he's just off. He's not He's not his normal self. He's just not very crisp. Um 
not making as good decisions as he normally has. And hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll come out of it. Like there could be some, some compensatory injury type stuff going on. You know, he obviously had the ankle issue last year, had the calf to start the year, had the, or had the shoulder issue, then the calf issue, you know, those things start piling up. Um, and so I do think that there's probably some of that going on with Dak and maybe he'll heat up and get going. But right now he's, he's not playing well enough to fully unlock all these weapons. Um, so hopefully we'll see that come around. We'll see Dak start playing, playing better today at 50.7, uh, passing grade. So not a good day for Dak. Rough, rough day for Dak. When is the win is the win, but yeah, hardly Dak's best performance. And yeah, like when you see Corey Clement actually having 13 carries to Zeke's 12, you might think that's like, oh, we need to get Corey Clement now for however long Tony Pollard is out. Again, this ending was crazy, man. It was 27 to 8 until there were five minutes left in the fourth. Washington scores and they get the pick six, and all of a sudden they were right back. What's in. funny so, is Washington played terrible. I they never should have ever been in the game. No. Like the way this is the true one of those games, the ball just bounces weird <laughs> you know like you look up and you're like because Washington didn't do anything to get into the game to be honest like to get back into it it's almost like you know I mean there just what there weren't any like signature plays right they're like oh my god here comes all this momentum <laughs> it was more just like oh wow here we are it's you know it's uh you know we're only up by a touchdown so um you know as, as far as the Cowboys go the one other thing I want to say in Dalton Schultz so three targets, one reception, four yards. We were worried about this. We were worried about once you get Gallup, Lamb, you know, and Cooper all back healthy, is that going to be a problem for Schultz? Routes were still great, 88%, but he's going to probably be more like, say, a Dawson Knox. You know, it's going to be much more hit or miss moving Maybe forward. Maybe even lower a little bit, man. Like, I think he's right in that group of guys at the borderline tight end one tier. We were giving him, like, preferential treatment before. With all three healthy, we can't do that. Right. Yeah. I think he's the same as Knox personally. I mean, because they're both going to be 10 to 15% targets and you just need Dallas's offense to play better, right? Like you got a better offensive performance today out of Josh Allen, which goes a long way. Very good point. Final note on the Cowboys, Tyron Smith did have to leave early with an ankle injury. We've seen the impact that his absence has had on this offense over the years and into 2021. And we also had Lyle Collins ejected after coming off the bench to Dak's defense um, following a late hit, I believe it was. So by the end of the game, it didn't have either starting tackle. Obviously didn't make matters too much easier. Dwayne with Washington. Taylor Heineke has played a lot of good football. Like the one stat I was touting going in this week, he was one of our top 10 highest graded passers in each of the past four weeks before the bye. Four game winning streak. He was playing good ball. My goodness, he was atrocious today. Two of 13, I believe he was in the first half. I mean, he only threw one pick. I counted three other dropped interceptions that could have easily been out there. It was bad. It was one after another. We saw him put the ball on the ground. He lost a fumble. And man, it was fucking Parsons going through. (laughs) making like i'm you know i am i i've been kind of getting a little i don't mind cussing on here sometimes but i I think i have been doing a little too much recently so apologies uh everyone but it's hard to talk about parsons and not you know get a little excited excited, man i mean uh, eric eric eager pff's on eric who is a a bit older than myself but Dwayne maybe actually closer to you so maybe you can relate to this like i hear the comps about parsons to lawrence taylor and i think they're ridiculous at the same time we do have a similarly sized monster edge rusher that truly is competing for Defensive Player of the Year, not just Rookie of the Year, but Defensive Player of the Year in his first season. I can't remember seeing a first-year edge have this sort of impact. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and getting to watch him every week, and now that Dallas has Demarcus Lawrence back, right? Scary, um, Randy Gregory. I mean, it's just 
they're in a great spot as far as pass rushing goes. Washington got themselves into the exact spot you never want to be with Dallas. And they did try to run. You don't want to be trailing. You do not want to let them, because when you get in those situations and you're in third down, all three of those guys are lined up on the line. They're all at the defensive line. If not, they've got Parsons basically sitting in the A-gap, right, from the linebacker spot, which was the play where he stormed in. You know, and Antonio Gibson kind of thought, oh, I'll just kind of step over here. And it was like, nope, no, you're not. (laughs) And just was right by him for the sack. So, um, yeah, man, he looks great. And it's like this perfect combination, like because the cornerbacks, you know, look, you can burn digs, but he also, like, he's a great complement to what they do. Um, because he is good in coverage and whenever they force, you know, throws that are probably less than ideal by the quarterback, it's good to know you have somebody back there that can make the pick. Um, Brown could have had two today. Anthony Brown should have had two picks today. He dropped both of them and he could have also been burned and he could have been called again for passing interference. (laughs) So he's still struggling a little bit, but Diggs and the rest and even curse has been coming through at safety. So yeah, the Dallas defense looks really good. Just do pure, pure, pure pass pressure, you know, and then just Diggs making plays in the backfield. So the, the Washington just, they tried early to run, and I think Dallas just committed. They're like, we're not going to let them get the run going, and that's what we're going to you know, stop because that is the one thing you can do you know, against um, Dallas. They did get Gallimore back today, which was his first game, which gave them at least a bigger defensive tackle they could have in there on early down, so that helps them too. Diggs, it did get beat for a touchdown by Cam Sims, but that was, that was a great was catch. Incredible. Diggs catch, even man. went back by him and, like, said, man, great. Like, you know, <laughs> gave him a high five. It was basically like, great catch, dude. Diggs was right there. It looked like he had a chance to, you know, pull his own OBJ as catch with that, you know, one hand up there. But Sims came down with it. There were four occasions, and it looked like, uh, you know, Trayvon does not consistently follow the number one receiver around. He did with Deshaun Jackson in that Thanksgiving game. Before that, he hadn't done it since week six or week seven. I track these shadow matchups every week, and they just haven't been using him a ton. I did think they were doing that with Terry McLaurin, though, because McLaurin was even in the slot, and Diggs was following him in there. Man, the play that pissed me off, though. McLaurin goes deep. Taylor Heineke rolls out. He pulls like the old Mike Vick move where he waves waves him deeper, the old Madden playmaker mode. Like he tells McLaurin to go deeper. Baby arm to Heineke tells McLaurin to go deeper. Proceeds to underthrow him by 10 yards, causing yet another unnecessary contested catch situation. Terry almost comes down with it, but went up, you know, between two guys, didn't break his fall, ultimately ended up in the concussion protocol. So 99 unrealized air yards for Terry McLaurin on the week. Trails only. Only Justin Jefferson for the most in week 14. Hopefully he gets better soon. He's a boomer bust wide receiver too. And it's unfortunate, man. I want him to get a better quarterback at some point. So we don't have to watch another Allen Robinson, Andre Johnson. Two incredible receivers, but like, you know, we can have an incredible receiver with an incredible quarterback too. It is 2021. That is legal. Um, Quick other things from this passing game. DeAndre Carter. So Heineke hurt his knee and uh, in the fourth quarter and got taken out. So Kyle Allen came in, ended up losing a fumble at the end. But man, he threw a dime to DeAndre Carter down the sideline on what ended up being Washington's last drive. Unfortunately, Carter dropped it. So couldn't quite make that happen. If Heineke is going to be out, honestly, even if he's in. It's going to be tough to have much confidence. We've seen him be up and down like in fantasy and real life. We kind of know more what he is at this point, but we also know that he lives a lot on his mobility. When he got the two-point conversion, he was able to beat a guy to the corner and dive out. So if he's going to be at less than 100% mobility-wise with this knee injury, that is going to be awfully problematic. 
Final note, joining us to talk about this backfield. We did not have J.D. McKissick active. We did have Antonio Gibson briefly leave with an injury, but I didn't ever see it registered by anyone. He was no, back out there was, before too long. Yeah. Bigger issue was him not playing that well and losing a league-high six fumble, man, which wasn't great. But we also saw Jarrett Patterson and Jonathan Williams involved. How ugly is the beyond-the-box score utilization? Because, man, it did not look good. Yeah, it was really all Gibson. I mean, um, 68% okay. of the snaps, 67% of the routes, 50%. That's a lot the, higher than I thought. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it was only 50% of the rushing attempts, but some of that was late in the game, honestly. Um, but 71% of the long down and distance. Um, you did see Jonathan Williams get some of the two-minute offense, but it was just kind of weird, like the way the game went. So I think if you had another game with McKissick out, you could still expect full workload from Gibson. Just didn't work out perfectly for him today. I mean, and, and Dallas just came in there prepared to stop the run early. And once they got it off, track they could never get it going again and he just wasn't a factor in the passing game today only six percent of the targets seven percent targets per route run and that's really where you're counting on gibson when he gets this extra work right coming up with that only had a 32.6 receiving uh, grade today so all you jd mckissick haters out there you know, not <laughs> saying antonio gibson can't be a good receiver we all know that he can but mckissick you know there's a reason that they kind of keep him around doing the things that he does um, as far as the tight ends go i know we talked about it real briefly uh earlier in the week how uh, you know, Ricky Seals Jones, you know, is really more of a low end kind of tight end to maybe mid range. We weren't quite ready to trust him. And today you did see Bates handle 63% of the routes versus only 40% for Ricky Seals Jones. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as we go along. Um, for for now, though, we can't, we can't touch them next week. No, no, no. We'll have, you, we need confirmation. We're going to have to see, like, we have to see the Seals Jones takeover, right? Yeah. Um, before we, because it may not happen. It could just really be more of a committee because both players have had nice stretches this season. So mm -hmm. it could just be really a mix. And no one in particular, I mean, Cam Sims did see more routes with Terry McLaurin out, 60% routes. Uh, per drop back, but it was kind of spread around. Diami Brown got a little involved. Curtis Samuel still really a non-factor. DeAndre Carter out there, 60%. You got Adam Humphrey. So I don't know that there's a clear person that takes over McLaurin's role if he doesn't get through concussion protocol this week. We'll have to keep an eye on that. On to the 4 o'clock games. Broncos took down the Lions 38-10, to 10, covering easily as a 12.5-point favorite. The over cashed at 42 points. Teddy Bridgewater, no turnovers, got the win, didn't need to put push much downfield. But once again, the targets were just so spread out. Now in six games with Jerry Judy active, it might actually be seven, but all the games with Judy active this year, Judy has 42 targets, Tim Patrick has 30, Noah Fant has 29, Albert O has 25, and in fifth place on his own freaking team is Corlin Sutton at 23. You know, people are saying, oh, it's just Teddy there. He'll be great next year with Russ or Rodgers or whoever pipe dream quarterback we're hoping the Broncos get. But man, like how, why is it so hard to get a player like Corlin Sutton who we saw in the year 2021 still be very good at football? How hard is it to get him more involved in your own offense's number five option? So that's the biggest surprise to me, Dwayne. We, we talked about Corlin being a sell high before Judy came back i'm not surprised that he's fallen off but to see him go from like at worst an upside wide receiver three to someone that honestly like we probably shouldn't be ranking our top 50 at this point it's been it's been shocking it's a talent ranking right when you continue to give him the respect you just know like if teddy decided to go to him and give him the chances he could come through it's just a matter of does will teddy 
ever do that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Teddy doesn't look a, like it. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> Played a little better today as far as his passing grade goes. But I mean, even against the Lions, it's like how much credit do you give him? 179 yards, you know, two passing touchdowns. Um, but the big time throws just are not there. It's not Teddy's thing. Like his big time throws, like he's got multiple weeks on here with just zero percenters. Like it's kind of funny. Like there's just not much to, to see here with Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll have to see what happens with them, you know, in the offseason. Hopefully they get a different quarterback, whether it's Russ, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, who knows? Lots of different rumors going around. So I'd love to see the Broncos and Steelers land elite quarterbacks to, to support all those weapons. Um, the big news really with the Broncos, Ian, is Melvin Gordon returned to the lineup today. We had a 50 to 49% snap split between Gordon at 50%, Javonta Williams at 49%. Routes, uh, like we expected, Javonta Williams did carry more of the passing number, 54% versus 29% for Gordon, 100% of the two-minute offense, 56% of the long down and distance went to Javonta Williams. He also handled 60% of the short down and distance, but it was Melvin Gordon getting the bulk of the rushing attempts at 63%, despite being knocked out of the game uh, momentarily with a wrist issue early on. So Gordon you know, came out, got the two rushing touchdowns, 111 yards. Javonta Williams still looked great. 3.67 yards after contact per attempt today. 2.96 for Melvin, not too shabby either. Um, explosive run rate was actually higher for Melvin today, 21% versus 0% for Williams. But both guys heavily involved. And I think this is basically what you have to look at with the Broncos. Ian, we know you got a defensive-minded head coach and Vic Fangio wants to just run the ball when he can, if they can get ahead. Lions, Lions presented the perfect kind of matchup for that. And so when you have those kind of matchups, you can play both of these guys. Otherwise, it's going to be one of them's probably going to hit, whichever one scores a touchdown, and the other one won't. I do like the fact, though, that Javante is taking more of that passing down work because I think that does insulate him, Ian, if they get into these games as we move you know, down the stretch here where they could be trailing or just in more competitive situations. I think there could be um, a slight edge for Javante, especially in PPR formats. Both running backs are not going to score two touchdowns every week like they were able to do in this one. But anytime we can get two running backs, you know, evenly split, both seeing 15 plus combined carries and targets per game, we can live with that as upside RB3s with the potential for much more, particularly with a cozy end of the season stretch against the Bengals, Raiders, and in Championship Sunday, the Chargers to close things out. I think that's enough on the Broncos. Real quick on Detroit. Yeah, look, they got their W last week. That's good. Go get your number one overall pick and be done with this because man, oh man, Dwayne, yet another, when will we learn? And I think we kind of have learned, like when will the public learn that we can't take all these backfields for granted because no, it wasn't Goblin leading it. No, it wasn't Jefferson. It was Craig Reynolds <laughs> with 11 carries for 83 yards and also two catches for 16 yards. Like, Dwayne, is this on us for not knowing Craig Reynolds was going to win it? I did not see a single person mutter this guy's name all week, let yeah, alone even there, predict he was going to lead the way. There were a few people um, this morning. I saw Mike Clay say something about him. So it, it, he started to pick up steam a little bit um, last night and the night before. Um, but there He was hadn't nothing... played a snap this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think most <laughs> people were honestly looking to how well he played in the preseason, you know. Everybody always remembers the preseason wonder. Um, so um, some people were leaning into it. Again, I could I could never recommend it. I should have just ranked all these guys lower to begin with. I mean, I didn't rank them you know, really high or anything, but Igwebuki was 100% of the two-minute offense, 75% of the long down and distance. So he did what we thought he would do. He really did play really more of the DeAndre Swift role 
they just didn't, once they got down, completely shift to the DeAndre Swift role. They really kept it more way we would traditionally think about, you know, a backfield um, where you still got a true early down runner. And that's what Craig Reynolds just continued to do, 52%. So Jamar Jefferson is really the guy that was most dif- disappointing for only 5% of the snaps, 7% of the routes, 0% of the rushing attempts. Um, just real quick on the Lions, and we can move on. Obviously, TJ yeah. Hawkinson was out with an injury. Amon uh, Ross St. Brown still, I mean, had another nice game. 32% target share today, 11 targets, 8 receptions, 73 yards. So kind of trying to do the uh, you know the cheap version, maybe the poor man's Hunter Renfro, maybe. You know, I like operate, that. I like it. <laughs> operating out, of, operating out of the slot, um, playing really well against man coverage this year. So, hey, I, this is a guy though. I think this is this is definitely one to file away for 2022. I mean, this is a rookie that we liked coming out, and now he's just starting to show some of the things that you know we thought he could do. Um, again, we'll we'll see what the Lions do with their offense over the offseason, but. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown definitely you know, has a shot to be one of the leaders on the team next year, depending on what they do in the draft. Chargers took down the Giants 37-21, to 21, covering as a nine-point fave over cash at 43-and-a-half. Uh, hand up, I didn't think Glennon was that terrible. I thought he actually did some pretty good things, particularly early on in the game. Connected with Kyle Rudolph for a 60-yard catch and run where he took a freaking shot in the pocket. Managed to hang in there, you know, thanks to that long neck and throw a seed down the middle to him. So, really, I was most underwhelmed by Kenny Galladay. He caught just two of his eight targets. And again, like, just from watching these targets, I'm curious to see how many were catchable because it sure looked like Kenny had a chance to win each and every time. And when look at his career like one of the stats I found this offseason was he really was making contested catches like a 60-40 situation PFF grade you know just a pure catch rate he was consistently top four top five receiver in contested catch situations and he's needed to be that guy he has some nice long speed but we know that Kenny Galladay isn't separating I know uh, Josh Hernsmeyer over at 538 has done some work looking at wide receivers that don't separate so much and Kenny has been an exception over the years in terms of still being able to win out. He's playing through the rib injury, obviously came into the year with some lower body stuff, out of shape. Whatever it is, he has not been that same guy all year long. So, you know, Mike Lennon ended up with two touchdowns uh, passing and he even ran for one uh, in complete garbage time at the end. Uh, just, you know, be careful before making him your true punching bag because I don't think his receivers were giving him as much help as he needed in this one. Luckily, Dwayne, Saquon Barkley got in on the receiving work Thank there God. at the end. Thank God, because it was getting uh, pretty ugly before. A little, little sluggo, little sluggo route. That was nice, man. He basically shadow roamed the guy, if you count it, uh, when he got the celly, you know, shadow roam. For those that don't know, wide receiver ISO cam when the deeks the corner so badly that they wind up off the screen into your television shadow so saquon got that nice touchdown at the end finished with 95 total yards not the complete boom that we were hoping for but this is why we continue to say like no he's not saquon barkley Dwayne, but he's still if you just take away everything you know about saquon barkley and you just say it's player a on the new york giants here's his usage and even though it's a bad offense you're still gonna be hard pressed to sit him Almost, you know, regardless of the roster, he's going to continue to be a mid-tier RB2. Yeah. Yeah, he just got derailed early in the season with the health stuff, you know. And so, I mean, a little concerning today. We did see Devonta Booker out there a little bit, but the Giants were getting roasted in this one. So I do think that that's a potential risk for Barkley moving forward. It's just like... You know, and even if you're Barkley yourself, right, you're in a contract year. Like, do you really want to be out there for all these snaps? 
and you could just potentially get hurt. I know he's the type of player that probably really does want to play, but they're limiting him a little bit. 62% of the rushing attempts versus 31% for Devonta Booker. Only 55% of the snaps versus 41%. 49% of the routes versus 40%. So not quite the every down roll that we had seen over the last couple of weeks. I am kind of taking him with a grain of salt. I think a lot of it had to do with the heavy trailing script that got Booker out there. I'll have to look at it more tomorrow in the utilization report, You know, if it was just all really second half kind of stuff. Um, yeah. As far as the Giants go, for Galladay, the one thing, only 29% of his targets were catchable today. See, I don't so. know about that. I don't know about that. And I, I love our company, but again, man, <laughs> if he's not separate. Like I didn't think there was much room to go with the ball first, and the ball was around him. The problem was there was always a cornerback between him and it, so... Yeah, that's just my two cents. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, hey, I, I agree. Like none of this stuff is perfect. Um, Sterling Shepard was back today. 81% of the routes um, out there, 74% of the time in the slot. Just wasn't very heavily utilized today. Four targets, two receptions, 27 yards. So Shepard, we just really got to look at. I know early in the season, he was like a lock wide receiver three. For now, I think you got to think about any Giants receiver, no matter who it is. Get to start off with them as a wide receiver four, and then we'll adjust accordingly <laughs> when they prove something. Sounds like Tony is coming back sooner rather than later, which is going to obviously continue to further complicate And he's things. the one you get most excited about, right? Yeah. You know, because he's a rookie with something to show. Um, he was obviously electric in a couple of games earlier this season. He's definitely flashed, like, as far as big playability more than any of these other guys. So I hope we do get to see Tony. Like, I, I, I want to see as much oh, yeah. Kadarius Tony as we can. 100%. And just finally on the Giants, the most damning thing that I can say about Saquon, Dwayne, is I cannot with – more than like 60% confidence tell whether it's Saquon or Devontae Booker with the ball until the I know because it's the 26th and the 28th thing. I know, but it shouldn't matter. It's Saquon and Devontae know, Booker. Yes, you know what I I'm know. saying? Yeah, it, it, it was, it's a tough thing to have to admit to myself. But, um, no, I've I have, done it multiple times too, so don't, yeah. don't feel bad. I always just look at Saquon's. Saquon has that one leg that has like it all red. <laughs> it's got like all red tape on it. Well, luckily people, because I – and obsessed with these weird things and you know kind of a weird dude i guess you could say i've taken some time over the last couple of days to try to compile the toughest teammates to tell apart in the heat of the moment because it used to be zach Ertz, dallas goddard just kings of this irrelevant metric now i think the main six guys six teammates i figured out so far that are so hard to tell apart before the play's over Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, CeeDee Lamb and Noah Brown. Yes, I was going to give you that one. <laughs> Brandon Bolden and Ramondre Stevenson, Tyler Lockett and Freddie Swain, Mike Jasicki and Mac Hollins, and Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker, sadly. So there's some more out there. Feel free to let me know on Twitter, and we'll continue to add to this awfully irrelevant list. But it's a good time, you know. On the Chargers side of things, Justin Herbert was masterful, arguably his best game of the year, at least since the beginning parts of it. And you know what? He did it without just force feeding one single guy, which sucked for everyone like us that had Mike Williams as this wide receiver one. But this goes back to the beginning part of the year where the entire offense wasn't focused around force feeding Keenan Allen. And I think that made him tougher to defend. So Mike Williams caught all six of his targets for 61 yards. Like he outran James Bradbury uh, just off the field on this crossing route. He looked good out there, just didn't have the high level opportunity that we thought could have been on the way for him. And that was because partially Josh Palmer did a great job with his opportunities third round rookie caught five of seven targets 466 yards and a score 
Now I was impressed, man. I think he came down with a nice contested uh, opportunity at one point. And we saw some of that yak ability. So depending on what they do with Mike Williams, man, because they did pick up his, you know, fifth year option this year. But if they decide not to re-sign him long term, Josh Palmer sure looks a lot like Justin Herbert's number two wide receiver of the future. And that kind of was what we were starting to hear as the week went on. I believe the rumor was that Austin Eckler was picking up Palmer instead of uh, Jalen Guyton in his own fantasy leagues. Uh, so that was a fun little tip off. Guyton did come through you know he was someone that I wasn't overly high on going into this because we've talked about the potential for backup receivers not to be just immediately as heavily involved as the guys they're replacing and we saw that he only had three targets one of them happened to be a 59 yard touchdown on not the I wouldn't say throw of the year that's probably a little hyperbole but Unreal throw, Herbert rolling out to his right, stops, takes a hit, and launches this sucker a good 65 yards in the air on a dime. I cannot wait to see the All-22 tomorrow morning. So It was very Stafford-esque, like that kind it, of throw reminds me a lot of Stafford. Very good point. Dwayne, what did you see from the utilization with these receivers? Again, you know, Palmer, Mike Williams, I know the targets no, are very for di- From a dynasty perspective, it's just one data point, but it's very positive for Josh Palmer because he played the Keenan Allen role. Um, he was actually, his ADOT was right at 10, you know, so he was operating more intermediate, um, got to operate from the slot 76% of the time, had a 21% targets per route run, 23% of the targets, which led the team. So this is a player that, you know, I basically said was a punt play in, you know, DFS today, just because, you know, he's a nice salary, so you could use that, but we just hadn't seen enough from him. You know, and so to see him come out and do this, and again, it's just one data point, but basically they asked him to play the Keenan Allen role, and that's what he did today. Yes, Mike Williams operated more um, close to the line of, line of scrimmage. He only had a 2.8 ADOT today, so obviously he wasn't just running off coverage, but he's had several games like that, even with Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton really is the guy they want to stretch the field vertically, and that's the way they use him today. 25-yard uh, ADOT, 30% of the team's air yards on the day. Like you mentioned, he came through on one of those. He had three receptions for 87 yards and a touchdown in the backfield we did see austin eckler leave the game he's got an ankle yeah. issue they did say after the game that it's not anything but you know how these at post-game press conferences go um, we'll have to come back and hit on josh allen before we're done he was in a walking boot at his at his press conference after the game but um as far as you know eckler goes it's a situation we'll just have to monitor i can't tell you though ian like, i have no clue like what the backfield looks like without eckler i think it's honestly a three-way committee is just a complete mess if Eckler's out. I don't know that there's anybody we can put a pen in to say this is a, that this is a back that we can use. It'll just be more of a guess, and you'll be hoping rather than really having some sort of data trend that we can use to say that this is the back you should use. The problem is, like, Larry Roundtree is going to be there, too. If it was just Justin yeah. Jackson, you and know, Kelly, getting yeah. some early work and getting the receiving, we, we – the only thing I'm really confident in is I think Justin Jackson will be the primary receiving back. And because of that, he'll be my highest ranked guy without Eckler. Will I even be able to fit him in the top 30? I don't know because Kelly and Roundtree are going to be awfully involved. So make sure you guys check out, as always, our Tuesday edition of this podcast where Dwayne and I go through the top waiver wire ads of the week. And keep in mind with Eckler, he is one of these few players and the Chargers are one of the few teams that could actually like rest him the entire week and then play him with his usual role on Sunday. It's just kind of a unique injury situation we have there. Hope you feel better, Austin Eckler. 
Final two games, 49ers took down the Bengals 26 to 23, covering as a two-point fave. Game total pushed at 49. Exciting one here. Seemed like the 49ers had it all wrapped up. You know, we had some flukiness going on with the Bengals. Darius Phillips muffed two punts, but, you know, ultimately took them overtime to do so. Credit to Jimmy G, though. I thought this was maybe his most impressive game of the season. No, Okay, he took five sacks. It wasn't completely perfect, but 296 yards, two touchdowns, drove them down the field, not once but twice to put them in a position to win wasn't his fault that Robbie Gold missed that uh, potentially game-winning kick at the end of regulation once again man we just saw him force feed George Kittle and who can blame him it's George Kittle got 13 of 15 targets for 151 yards and a touchdown since last season only Devontae Adams is averaging more yards per outrun than George Kittle absolute madness on that one and of course we also have Brandon Ayuk who reeled in that game-winning touchdown showing some fabulous yak ability and balance on the sideline six catches 62 yards and a score now Dwayne we've been looking at this utilization for a few weeks now with all three of these guys back noticing how Debo Samuel has low-key kind of been cast aside as the third option in the past game look he got his eight carries he took one of them to the end zone because he's a great player just one target though in this one it might be rash, man, but we got to look at what he's going to do for the next three weeks, not look at what he did in the first 10. Debo Samuel right now has the usage of a wide receiver three. Yeah, he does. Um, I, I mean, I think given what he's going to do in the rushing game, I mean, if, and you know his big playability and just the upside he carries, you could put him at a low end, you know, wide receiver two, and I'd probably be fine with that. Um, you know, because you do have to balance out what he has already done, and we yeah. know that could come back at any moment. And and but we just haven't seen it since they've given him this rushing role. He has deteriorated in the passing game. So he was out there for eighty two percent of the routes, which kind of surprised me because I watched that game a lot today, and I kept looking for him, and I couldn't. I, like half the time I was watching, I was like, Debo's not even out there. Right. I mean, Juwan Jennings has taken over this slot role. Um, he was out there for seventy three percent of the routes. So Debo technically was out there the second most. Um, sorry, third most on the team. Ayuk was out there ninety eight percent. Um, of the passing plays running a route and then Kittle was out there 90% of those plays. So, and then you had Debo at 82%. So I, I agree with you. I think it's something where, I mean, and just, and maybe some of it is to do with the growing injury, but I mean, why bring him back and play him? You know, if you're, if you're worried about the growing injury and why have him in at running back? So, so I don't know. It's kind of a confusing thing, but we know that Kyle Shanahan, you know, has a history of playing injured players. So we'll just, we'll have to wait and see, but I agree with you on the utilization thing, uh, as well as the outputs for Debo. Yeah. George Kittle. Uh, real, wow. real, real quick. Ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just Kittle. The game could be even bigger because he dropped a 30 yeah. yard ball on a pearl from Jimmy G early on. Only other sheesh for the Niners was Ayuk actually scored a six yard touchdown, but they ruled him just short. Oh, no. Actually, they ruled it incomplete, but this was like a beautiful ball from Jimmy, only where Ayuk could get it in the corner of the end zone. So, you know, Jimmy, with a little bit better luck here, goes over 300 yards and has a third touchdown. He did almost throw a back breaking interception with 20 seconds left I knew I was forgetting one mess up when I was saying how good he was playing so I forgot about that one but yeah Dwayne what about Kittle man that catch he had on third and ball game at the end of regulation I know yeah. they had to go into overtime but stretch dude, out. this yeah. dude's unstoppable yeah man it's if if you are the Kittle manager in your league and you've snuck into the playoffs with him like Ooh. he's a huge difference maker <laughs> and like in these big national tournaments like we're starting next week it's basically a three-week race with points 
like, man, I would give anything to have a George Kittle team. I had a team that just missed that had Kittle on it. And like, it's, it's like doing great down in, you know, like the consolation bracket. It's like, <laughs> you know, but that's where all the George Kittle shares are. Right. So I right. wanted to have him in the championship round um, where he can truly differentiate. Yeah. 15 targets, 13 receptions, 151 yards, 41% target share, 49, 49% of the air yards as you're tied in uh, 36% targets per route run. And, and you said it, I know you were joking, but like, Hey, if aliens showed up, today and we had to have a tight I'm not end. joking yeah we had to pick a tight end you know for 60 minutes like for the fate of the planet like it's kittle like because he's just he is the biggest mismatch he can block he can do everything and like he's in the perfect scheme right here it's just man like his run after catch is just it's insane like he's just a rugged player he's fast he has everything you want um so kittle yeah i mean looking great as far as Ayuk, again, another nice game for him, man. 30% target share for Ayuk, 11 targets, six receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. So I think he's still squarely – really, he and Samuel are both wide receiver threes, right? We, we know that any week one of these players can be left out. Obviously, Kittle is the alpha right now, but he could also cool off and they could get these other two guys going. Basically, right now, Kittle is doing what Debo was doing earlier in the year. Right. I mean, it's, it's all going to Kittle now. So um, they're all they're all viable plays. You're going to use them. Jeff Wilson, Jr. Um, did lead the team in snaps, 59 percent uh, and rushing attempts, 59 percent. Debo was second in rushing attempts at 36 percent. Uh, Jeff Wilson did handle all the short down and distance, but Jamichael Hasty was out there for the long down and distance. So basically. At this point, like any weeks, we don't have Elijah Mitchell. We've kind of seen this trend now. Um, Wilson's going to handle the early down work, and then he's going to give some of that away to Debo Samuel. And then all the passing down work is going to go to Jamichael Hasty or Debo Samuel. So it's it's really more of a three-way committee at this point. So we'll just have to consider Jeff. Well, he'll still be fine. He's usable on these weeks. It's just his upside isn't as high as what we were getting with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, who just was it was starting to take away the Jamichael Hasty stuff. Like he was starting to take that and put that under his belt, right? And just have that all to himself. Um, it was kind of weird though. I thought I was kind of surprised Wilson didn't do better just with the way the game worked out. The 49ers were ahead pretty much the whole time. I, I thought he under most circumstances, like had this been Elijah Mitchell, like I think he would have got to 20 carries, you know, today. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, and that's probably why, because Jeff Wilson isn't as good as Elijah Mitchell, they decided to still throw the ball a little bit more and, and they just had Kittle on a heater. Like, so it's like, what are you going to do? Stop George, stop throwing the ball to George Kittle and hand the ball to, you know, Jeff Wilson? Probably not. Hopefully Mitchell can get back healthy because the four narrows conclude the next three weeks with the Falcons, Titans, and the Texans. You know, we 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 all talked about this schedule back in August. Now for then it was more for Trey Lance, but we'll roll with the punches. Get healthy, Elijah Mitchell. With the Bengals, I mean, yeah, dude, this game after three quarters was 20 to 6 San Francisco, and like and it didn't feel that close. And to see Burrow bring the squad back, man, it truly was impressive. 348 yards on the day, two touchdowns touchdowns both to Jamar Chase both just absolute dimes from Burrow and honestly they could have should have had three not an egregious drop by Chase by any stretch but man good 37 yards away they ruled it a touchdown at first Burrow laid it perfectly right down the right sideline I mean at this point we have so many examples already of them completing that very same pass just couldn't quite hold on through the ground but you know what Chase over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns as a rookie, given the rookie of the year on offense, he has earned it. But also, Dwayne, 
as we tried to figure out in the middle part, you know, early mid part of the year, and it sucks when you don't see it happening, but you try to follow the utilization and hopefully you end up seeing someone like T Higgins who's being used as the 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call them, and then they start doing what they're doing, which is racking up another 100-yard game, and this one caught five of seven targets for 114 yards. So kind of surprising, and I think it's because Mixon still had 18 carries. The Bengals continue to move at such a slow pace. Surprising to see Burrow only have 34 attempts in a game they were trailing in a game that went to overtime. But still, man, Chase and Higgins at this point are both must-start options in the heavy majority of fantasy football leagues. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say heavy. I would say every. I mean, now maybe I would you got too, but we'll we'll you, see what happens. You, you can have a four the monsters out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, this is true. This is true. I forget. I'll, I'll definitely get a DM that will show me something. Where I would actually consider benching T Higgins, and then I just then I don't even answer the question. I'm like, how many people are in your league? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I don't need to say anything else about those two guys. They both look great, man. Um, both playing well. Tyler Boyd pretty much is the odd man out. But what's nice is now we've seen several weeks where Chase and Higgins can, you know, they're come, they can come through together. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to have the Tyler Boyd game where right, he's the he's the player that does well, and one of them gets bumped out just because of what you said. We're still not seeing the kind of volume we want out of the passing game. Joe Mixon last week, you know, we've we've really actually kind of talked about this for about five or six weeks you know but it's just one of those things where the utilization has told us like he's not he's not going to handle passing down roles and if the Bengals get into a script that can be tricky then that's a problem for Mixon. he still did come through with his 18 touches but he didn't come through in the box score this week only 58 rushing yards he didn't get you the touchdown two receptions and 10 yards only out there for 38 percent of the routes zero percent of the long down and distance zero percent of the two minute offense and for some reason today zero percent of the short down and distance they get 100 percent of all of that to Samaje Pirine, who was actually out there 42% of the snaps, like so 60 versus 42. Now, again, most of the rushing attempts to, to Mixon, but really everything else, they're using Samaje Pirine kind of as this jack of all trades, right? Doing all the other work. And that's bad for Mixon in these sort of game scripts. And it just finally caught up to him, right? I mean, let's yeah. be realistic about Mixon. We love him. We touted him. Um, but he, he'd kind of been living above, really, his utilization for about the last four to five weeks. And look, he's still going to be fine, folks. If you've got him on your team, the Bengals are a good team. He's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns. I think you're going to be fine from that perspective. Just know that these sort of games can pop up. It is surprising to see Pirine like have this role at this point. I could have seen Chris Evans taking this role, but like Pirine played 16 games for this coaching staff for the Bengals last year, and only had 12 targets in that time. So to see, like, but they liked him enough to re-sign him. You know, they gave him a, a one-year deal. You. So I feel uh, like it's more egregious than like McKissick playing over Gibson. Is my point? There's nothing wrong yeah, with Pirine, yeah, yeah. right? Right? Because right. McKissick like actually was a receiver in college too. And like, is a mismatch. Yeah. It's like Samashi P Ryan really is the same thing as Joe. He's not any better than Joe Mixon at any no. of these things. No. So it is what it is. Obviously we've gotten plenty of great games out of Joe. That touchdown streak couldn't last forever. Um, and yeah, continue to fire. It's funny. As soon as I took him off of the cell high, this, he, this <laughs> is what happens. So sorry, folks. I, I, I didn't have the gut to continue to stick with it. <laughs> Got your ass. Final one here. Buccaneers took down the Bills in a thriller. 33-27. to Was a blowout at halftime. 24-3. to But Buffalo came roaring back. Couldn't quite cover, though. That was Tampa Bay at 3.5. And the over cash. 
cash at 53. Um, Buffalo end up only handing the ball. I'm sorry, we'll start with the Buccaneers. Lenny Fournette, 47-yard run to the house. Item ranked as my RB2 this week behind only Austin Eckler. That's the sort of ridiculous usage he has at this point. Also had seven targets in this one. And man, like we we, we talked about this. Like Giovanni Bernard hasn't been a concern. He wasn't going to be a concern. He's now out. I didn't exactly see what the injury was. Dwayne, I think it was a knee. Uh, I didn't see on Gio, to be honest. Okay, it, lo- it looked bad. So if he's now out of the picture, like it's, again, I already had. It doesn't really matter. He was already out of the picture. Exactly, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if you could imagine any more work going to Fournette, who obviously led the running back position in receptions going to this week, uh, that was the one thing that could enable that, and it just happened. So Lenny Fournette, you know Lombardi Lenny, he has finished outside of the top sixteen fantasy RBs on only one occasion since week three. That's what the kids at home are calling a league winner but of course we got to talk about the goat tom brady incredible in the first half i know he won the game with a touchdown too nice little crosser brashad perryman who took it all the way to the house 58 yards away after some miscommunication on the bills trying to pass off that crosser but man the touchdown to mike evans and then he hit evans on another like 24 yarder down the sideline just two of the better thrown balls i saw all week long also had chris goblin 15 targets Caught 10 of them for 105 yards. Like, they just use him almost as an extension of the run game, Dwayne. And I want to do a study this week because they were talking in the first half. The Bills literally hadn't handed the ball off to a running back yet, but they have different ways of running the ball, but it's 2021. So it's not like throwing a ball like on a screen out wide. You know, it's not this like 50, 60% type of pass. You're completing that, I assume 90%, you know, north of that. And it more or less is an extension of the run game, which you hear some announcers talk about. So I would like to take these teams like the Bills, like the Bucks, look at their run plays and then add kind of those passes behind the line of scrimmage do it for every other team and then see if they're still as different as they are because like that's what kind of struck me like no it's not even really just behind the line of scrimmage i mean the patriots like in their super bowl year when they didn't run as much that they they used welker in the same kind of role he was a substitute for the run game because to your point like 90 percent of those passes were completed like from brady to welker so (laughs) yeah i i agree i mean it's all about attacking the different spaces on the field so that the defense has to respect it that that's really all it's about you have to know that they could throw underneath they could throw intermediate they could throw deep the more the defense has to wonder where you're going and you can execute at all levels the more you can stretch them out the more you have a chance to later confuse them and then you can set up these different plays that you know basically set up to look the same and then they're like oh i gotta cover this underneath thing and oh crap they just ran like the sluggo or right the out and up whatever the case whatever you may want to call it or a wheel route like that kind of thing like that's what makes the bills the cardinals and the ravens so unique they can go empty and having just their quarterback threat, that's, you know, they you got to defend up the middle because of how good they are. I think that's basically what the Bills did here with Josh Allen. 12 carries for him, 109 yards and a score. A lot of them were designed. He had some gaping holes. So, yeah, they've always used Isaiah McKenzie on these pop passes. Devin Singletary caught six passes in this game. So, no, we can't touch these running backs in fantasy. I get it at this point. Singletary, you know, he's a low ceiling RB3. That's fine. Um, but it's just, you know, interesting. And I, I think we can do a better job job um you know in the mainstream media of discussing how the bills are running their offense because i don't think it's quite as you know quote unquote pass heavy as sometimes they make it out to be it's not this air raid attack where they're just chucking the ball 40 yards downfield every single play but i'm getting off topic here uh quickly on the buccaneers again Dwayne, one of the things i was talking about earlier this week when we were previewing this game was 
the idea that Perryman played almost every single snap um, last week in three wide receiver sets. We got the nice talk from Bruce Arians. Yeah, he scored a touchdown at the end, but Tyler Johnson was out there plenty um, among other guys. What were the snap rates with these wide receivers? Because it did seem like Perryman took a step back from my slightly trained eye. Yeah, he took a huge step back. Um, Now, again, this is based on – this doesn't have every play because when I pulled down the data right after the game's end so we can get ready for this, like I'm probably missing part of – I know I'm missing at least part of overtime, but still, like there's no way he's going to make it up. He was only at 36% of the routes for whenever I cut it off. You know, so I don't have his touchdown catch that happened late in the game that you were talking about. So I know I'm missing some of the plays, but it was a big drop off. 54% of the routes to Tyler Johnson. So last week, remember, Perriman was up over 90% of the routes. So it really condensed down to these three guys. Um, And this week, Tyler Johnson was out there for 54%. So it appears that it's probably some sort of a matchup thing, Ian. Um, And again, we will eventually probably get Antonio Brown back. They've got to make a decision on him, though, here in the next week. As always, you're firing up all these Buccaneers with all the confidence in the world each and every week. And with the Bills, man, Dwayne, we were, we were going out on a limb there with our, some of our Cole Beasley, uh, you know, twittering throughout the week, really getting behind it. And I was getting a little nervous in the third quarter, not seeing that reception total all that high. Man, they were running more man that. coverage. Did you notice? Like, I was watching that game. Uh, okay. I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to pull the data because that data I won't have until tomorrow. But it definitely looked like they were using more man concepts this week. And so the Bucks, you know, even like uh, Jared Smola from Draft Sharks had reached out. Like he had responded to one of my tweets with one of the beat writers who had said something about, hey, the Bucks could use more man because now they're healthy, which makes sense, right? So, I mean, it'll be something we'll have to keep an eye on. But I, they did get a little more zone heavy towards the end. I definitely noticed that. And that was when Cole Beasley really came through. And, of course, Romo just kept – Romo was on our side, man. He was like, anytime it's a blitz, throw it to Cole Beasley. I was like – That's his guy. That's yeah. his guy. I was like, yeah. I was like, that – well, I was pretending he was our guy. Like, he had, he had seen Harditz <laughs> and McFarland go out on the limb for Beasley this week. And so he was trying to help us out. <laughs> Thank you for that, Mr. <laughs> Romo. Uh, but, yeah, man, so really – it was just more spread out in Buffalo than I think we grew used to seeing. Emmanuel Sanders suffered a knee injury and got ruled out, um, I believe, by halftime in this one. So that did lead to Gabriel Davis getting more involved. But we had Singletary with seven targets. Davis with eight. Dawson Knox, nice bounce back game. Seven catches, 60 yards, and a score on nine targets. Beasley with 11 targets and digs on 13. So, hey, you know, Josh threw the ball 54 times. And when you're going to throw the ball that much, you can enable these top five guys. Just realize might not be, you know, this sort of an extreme negative game script for Buffalo each and every week moving forward. But hey, if Emmanuel Sanders is going to miss time, Gabriel Davis is probably going to end up in that wide receiver three borderline range. I mean, probably not that far different from where we have Manny Sanders ranked at this point, Dwayne. Yeah, and I mean, Manny was really a wide receiver four boom-bust play at this point, right? He hasn't come through since early in the season. Um, You know, he obviously missed practice on Friday with everything going on with Demarius Thomas. You know, so, I mean, even coming into this week, there was a chance he wasn't going to play quite as much. Hate to see him get injured in the game. But, you know, look, Gabriel Davis, we'll have to see. Like, he's he's played really well against man coverage, you know, but he hasn't done much, you know, otherwise. So, I don't know if it's just like him, like, getting an understanding of the game or what. But he looked good today. And so, that's why I'm real interested to see, like, how did the Bucks actually play that whole game from a coverage standpoint? Because I was bouncing back and forth between a couple of games. Um, but, and 
every time I bounced over, I was definitely just watching Cole Beasley because of <laughs> because of our tweets this week. Uh, but Gabriel Davis was out there for seventy eight percent of the routes, nineteen percent of the targets, twenty percent of the air yards. The nice thing is that he wasn't just this down the field, you know, yeah. um, you know, deep shot guy, right? He's actually working more intermediate. He had a nice touchdown catch last week in the red zone, right, which was probably about a 10, 10 yard, seven eight yard pass from um, you know Josh Allen. So we've seen some other good things from Gabriel Davis. So very interested to watch him. Dawson Knox, ninety three percent of the routes, so he's out there plenty. Like you said, spreading it around, sixteen percent target share, but he came through again with another touchdown. Dawson Knox is the guy that Josh Allen loves once they're down inside the five or once he's throwing at the end zone. So, elephant in the room, we got Josh Allen wearing a walking boot in the post game presser. He was clearly hobbled on it, and they weren't exactly changing their strategy with how they were using him. Now, if this is going to be something keeping him out of practice, I would expect him not to exactly be the focal point of their rushing attack like he was in this one. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky is their backup quarterback if they decide to go that route. Dwayne, what would be kind of your early thoughts on how to approach this offense with a more limited version of Josh Allen? Can we maybe get behind Devin Singletary a little bit more if Zach Moss is going to keep being inactive? Or is it just one of those things where maybe it goes to Singletary or maybe we just see like more quick hitting passes. We might need to see a game or so before we can make any truly actionable takeaways. Yeah, I think we would give the running backs a little bit of a bump, but it's just tough because we we know that like they can throw a complete curveball at us at any moment. Now, Singletary today, 80% of the snaps, that's a season high. 69% of the routes, 27% of the rushing attempts because 55% of the design <laughs> rushing attempts went to Josh Allen today. Uh, but I mean, so he was out there for all the long down distance, all the two minute stuff. But my guess is just knowing that basically Josh Allen was they're like, hey, we don't need a physical back. We're going to make Josh Allen like our big back today. So I don't know. I think it could still end up easily being with Allen out. They probably have all three active if or if Allen is going to be limited. And then it's going to be just enough to muddy it to where you and I and, you know, Andrew and everybody else like in our ranks, I don't know that we'll be able to give anybody super clarity or like a stamp of approval on any one of these backs. Well, thank you all for tuning in, as always, to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Before you get out of here, I just want to say we have a ton of deals for you. Right now, you can save 25% off any PFF subscription if you just use code FANTASY. All of our locked article content, betting dashboards, 0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team, our player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop, and so much more. Again, support the pod and use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. And want to thank all of you that have submitted some responses to our quest to learn what we can all do better as always you can email us at contact at pff.com that's contact at pff.com if you want to answer these questions what pff feature do you love the most and what do you want most from pff if you're a subscriber and there's something that you think we're missing tell us and there's a good chance that we can give you exactly what you want people helping people that's all we're trying to do so again contact at pff.com let us know what pff feature you love the most and what you also want most from pff also keep in mind everyone you can download the DraftKings sportsbook app use promo code PFF, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score a promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply to jackings.com. Sportsbook with details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, shout out to our friends at Western and Southern. They have an awesome deal where basically all you got to do is ask questions, which you can do at westernsouthern.com slash Chris. WesternSouthern.com slash Ask Chris. Whatever you want. Football, finance, Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, anything. And when you submit a question, Western and Southern is putting you in competition to potentially win a catering up to 2500 You can coordinate your order with them from a restaurant near you, and they will have it delivered on Super Bowl Sunday. 2500 bucks just to ask a question, and you can hear those answered on the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western Southern's Instagram. So remember with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day, submit those questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. Dwayne, I've been keeping up a little bit on the Bears Packers, you know, Me just too. looking at the box score. 27 to 21 and a half now. <laughs> Jakeem Justin Grant Fields, got, man, coming alive. No, Nine no, 16. no, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. I looked at the highlights. Jakeem Grant took a pop yeah. pass, 46 yeah. yards to the house, and Demir Bird took a five-yard slam, yeah, 54 yards to the house. Don't care. They, they all count the same, exactly. right? Yeah, 150 man. yards and two touchdowns. You'll take it. <laughs> Justin Fields just slicing up the Packers' <laughs> defense. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? No, man. No, I am good. Looking forward to doing the Waiver Wire podcast next. I'll be digging into all this, getting the utilization report ready, and then we'll be on to week 15, Ian. It'll be time doing the ranks. We are doing two more of these, everyone. We'll be following up week 15. We'll be following up week 16. We will not be following up week 17. Don't worry. We'll have ranks. We'll preview the week 18 games. But you know what? If you got a championship in week 18, that was a pretty stupid idea. And we're just, you know, we're not going to do it. You're we're not figure this it out. Go. You're going to tell everybody. I'm not going to let episode. it go. I'm going to tell That's them right. every single episode. I want to keep expectations man of manageable. Like I'm a man of principle, as Dwayne <laughs> said. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. And until next time, take care, everybody.